Good morning. Great to see everybody. Sure is. Good morning. My name's Stephen Riley. I'm lead pastor here at Living Waters Church, and uh, it's an honor to serve you in this way. We have um, not only Jonah, Jonah Kloniger as a special friend here in the body today, in between his assignments, he just got back from uh, Korea, and uh, and so glad to have you here uh, today, Jonah. Thank you for serving our country and your willingness uh, to protect us. So grateful for you. Uh, we also, let's give him a big hand. Let's do it. Oh, Dad. Oh, Dad. It's good to see you too, Jeremy. We love you, man. I'm missing you. We have also among us uh, this Sunday a, a just an old friend of Living Waters, and that is Layuna Burley. And Layuna is a uh, leader in the ministry at, at Father's Love. She's you know been helping uh, alongside uh, side Miss Marty for many years, but more recently she's been uh, really leading out in the women's ministry that she is um, uh, leading under the Terrell's uh, oversight. And uh, Leyuna, it's so good to see you again here this Sunday. Her granddaughter Malia is here as well. Let's give him a big thank you for all you guys do for Father's Love. And it's great having you here again this Sunday. <clears throat> so good things are happening in our community. Uh, the street revival down in Daniel Field is uh, kind of a continuation or a spinoff from last summer. Uh, there were several pastors uh, that were meeting in a uh, part of uh, Martinsville doing uh, many nights, many weeks last summer of revival in that community. And, and this is more of a Shelbyville community uh, revival inviting uh, all of us. I know I went several times last year, got to speak last year. It's a real honor to be there. I'm looking forward to being there Thursday night at the street revival. It's going to be tremendous. In fact, they're going to have a community choir. If you go to Justin Barnes' Facebook page, I think there's some information how to get into that community choir for this uh, Thursday and Friday. And, uh, and the police are going to have a booth there on Friday. And so it's, you know, relationships are just forming in our community among the body of Christ. So I encourage you, to, if you're not going to be there, to pray for God to bless it and use it uh, to shine his light. Uh, this coming Sunday is going to be uh, just an unusual uh, connection uh, in our uh, stand with Israel and as a church. We believe that God is not finished with the Jews. In fact, when he brought them back as a nation in 1948 was a biblical prophecy fulfillment of many, uh, many times over and that God is uh, going to continue to work through the Jews and bring salvation to them in these latter days. And so... Uh, this Sunday, we're going to get some new and different perspectives on ministry in Israel and what God is doing there, but also uh, just bringing a message to the world. George has this unusual uh, ministry online of uh, discerning, uh, uh, you know, good information out of the Israel and the Middle East on his news website and other things like that. So uh, really encourage you, we'll be taking up an offering to bless them next Sunday, so be praying in advance about that. We are still in a short series in the book of Matthew called A Call to Discipleship. 
And Matthew, uh, who is uh, the author of this gospel, uh, was a disciple himself, one of the 12 apostles. And I'm realizing as I'm reading and studying this gospel that he wanted to be so clear what a disciple looked like. And uh, we have looked at this now for a couple of weeks and how Jesus demonstrated his authority in uh, uh, ministering to people with great authority. And he said, I'm giving you this authority as I send you. And so just to remind you from last week, um, Jesus gave the 12 that he was going to send out and do ministry like they had been witnessing and him do ministry. I'm going to send you out. And he gives them a pep talk. And we've gone through half of that pep talk last Sunday. And then this week, we'll go through the second half this week, uh, today. And there were six things last week that he said, this is, you know, I want to encourage you. I want to get you ready that you have been given, number one, authority. You have a calling. Number two, you are a sent one. Yeah, a disciple is a follower, right? You follow the leader and you learn and you sit at his feet and you learn. But then I'll also send you out. So it's not just a student role. It's a student role to be empowered to be sent out. Number three, you are generous. That's what a disciple is. You've received so much from me in your life and your experience. And just freely, as you receive, freely give it. Just keep giving it away. Number four, you trust God for your needs. Because I'll be sending you out and there'll be times that... that you're not, not sure what's going to happen over the next few days for food and shelter, but I'm going to take care of you. Trust God. Number five, you give blessings of peace. Give blessings of shalom wherever you go. You leave peace behind wherever you go. And then number six is this really gets me excited. Jesus just loves it. It turns him on. He, you make Jesus happy when you say, yes, I'm a sent one, and you go. So these 12 were sent out. Later, Jesus sent out the 70, and all this was him delegating authority and responsibility of ministry. He didn't keep it on his, uh, to himself for three years and then said, okay, now that I'm gone, you've got to start ministry. He started it, them practicing, learning while he was there so he could oversee it, so he could encourage them, so he could teach them, answer questions, and get them ready because he was going to be leaving. And so we've gone over half of this pep talk, this locker room talk to get them prepared for this short-term mission trip for them to have an intense time of learning and to come back. Well, I want to tell you, folks, in Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 16, these are the most profound, the most sober. These words are so in your face. They are hard to listen to. These words are are straight from the mouth of Jesus Christ to prepare you and me, to, to prepare us for what lies ahead as a disciple. And this is a full disclosure sales statement from the salesman. I'm not holding anything back. I'm not hiding something. I'm going to prepare you as best I can so there's no surprises down the road. So when it gets harder it's, and when it gets tough, you will go, oh, oh yeah, he did warn us about that. He did exhort us. He did prepare us for that, but uh, we kind of forgot about that. It was kind of hard to take, and we were busy, and we just kind of didn't really take careful notes on that one. And, uh, but he did speak to us in advance. 
So I'd like to do something a little different. Is uh, I want to read this passage. It's going to take several minutes, starting in Matthew 10, verse 16 through 42 to the end of the chapter. The words will not be on the page. I just want you to listen, or you can follow along in your Bibles and your Bible apps. And, and, uh, and so I just want you to listen to the Word of God. There's value in just reading and listening to the Word of God. And then we'll break down... Uh, a number of these scriptures uh, after this. So, Lord, we ask you to bless the reading of your eternal word. This is Jesus speaking. He says in verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But be aware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake, as a testimony to them and to Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how and what you are to say. For it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not uh, you who speak, but it is the Spirit of the Father who speaks in you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father's child and children will will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of this household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in, in the ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but are, are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my fathers in heaven. But whoever denies me before men will also deny him before my father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I do not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that we have the grace to hear what you're saying to us in this day of our lives 
on this Sunday and in this week of this month. And Lord, that we will say yes to be a disciple. That that call, we will say yes to that call. Because Lord, we believe that you're worth it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for letting me read through that passage and hopefully give you a sense of this full disclosure of just blunt honesty of what could happen and what likely will happen in your life as a follower of Christ. I want to just go straight to the bottom line, Matthew 10, verse 38 and 39. These two verses really sum up this whole passage. Uh, These verses really get to the heart and let the listeners know that this is the bottom line. This is what it's about. In verse 38 says this. And he who does not take up, excuse me, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Now, he uses the words cross. This is Jewish people who are under Roman oppression right now. And the Romans had created a punishment for criminals, uh, a, a death penalty punishment that had a, just a combination of excruciating, awful, the worst torture thus far in human history had been combined together on the, the suffering on a cross. We know that Jesus was hung on a cross with two other criminals next to him, but that wasn't a rare sight. Romans used this as a threat and as a death penalty for many of the uh, uh, traitors who would try to resist them, though, and, then, and also just for breaking crimes. And these would be public. They would be done out that, where people could see out by the road. And, and so it was an awful sight, but one that was common to them to grow up in Israel and, and perhaps closer to big cities and so forth like Jerusalem where you would see maybe even, oh my goodness, a relative, someone you know was crucified and the suffering that they go through. And so he's taking this to the ultimate point of persecution and suffering. He's saying, listen, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be worthy to follow me, you've got to be willing to go through this torture, suffering to the point of death. Scholars believe, historical historical scholars, that uh, though we image the cross as, as two pieces put together, when it says take your cross and carry it, what was the common uh, experience according to uh, what they know is that the horizontal piece would be strapped to their shoulders and their back. And they would have to carry that to the location of where the vertical pose with poles would already be in the ground. And then as they were nailed to that uh, post on the, the horizontal post, they would be raised up and attached up high to the vertical post. And then you get the the full image of the cross here. And so in their imagery, they're, they're thinking about this. They know I'm, I'm going to have to carry this beam and take it to my death. Is that, is that what he is, is expecting of us? He says, yes, in fact, uh, you must follow after me. is not worthy of me unless you're willing. Verse 39 explains, he who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake, will find it. 
you know, this phrase, these phrases are, are, are not normal for us. We, we like to encourage people. We're, we are a culture of building people up, and it's a good thing. I mean, when, if you read, uh, you know, or listen to these success gurus and these, those who want to help you find yourself and build you up, if, if it's encouraging, it's fine. But if it's building a pride in you where you trust more in yourself than in God, then there's a line that you cross. Because Jesus is saying, listen, the life you want is, can only be found one place. It's you giving your life to me, and then I give you my life. He who has lost his life for my sake We'll find it. What we long for, the life that we long for, is actually his life, his Zoe. The Greek word is called the life of God, and it's a life in him and Christ. The one who created us, the one who saved us, proved his love for us by suffering on the cross for us. That's the one where we find our life is in him. Many in the crowd were wondering and, and thinking, okay, this this is the Messiah we've been looking for, the Messiah who's going to deliver us uh, in a great battle and victory over the Roman impre- uh, oppression. And it's a military call to be committed to this as a leader. Most of us don't understand that kind of call. That under- uh, You go to a job and you sign a contract to work there and you, you're there for certain many hours, days, and responsibilities. But this is, this is bigger than that. This is like a military call where you're saying, I'm willing to even, in my own, to my own hurt, battle and protect, even to the point of death. And I say thank you, all those who have served in the military, uh, that you understand that oath. You've taken it. And Jonah, you've taken that oath. We want to say thank you. You understand this language. You understand what the, the call is. But many in the crowd gulped and went, wow, this is hard to swallow. I thought this was just a really interesting rabbi that was so, uh, you know, wise. And, and then he's got these miracles happening and he's so good. Look at what he, how he blesses people and loves on people. And, and then it comes to this and they're just gulping. They're going, oh man, this is hard to take. But these verses of 38 and 39 are repeated in the Gospels of Mark and Luke. It was a clear, central theme of understanding what discipleship all, all is all about. So the bottom line is we lose our lives for his sake. And we say yes to that. We surrender. We help out. We give it. We give our life to Christ. But we get a great trade-off. We get his eternal life. One that cannot come from any success on earth, any any group of the coolest friends, any, any uh, fulfillment of certain dreams and goals. There's nothing like eternal life, and that's the trade-off. That's our deepest desire. It's a trade-off, but maybe having many friends and know many people at work, but there's still an aloneness because you are not in a love relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus. And, you, and so you live alone. And so, no, the trade-off is you give your life, and He'll give you His life And it's a love relationship with God Almighty of intimacy and closeness that you can't find anywhere on earth. I want to go through certain verses of this passage. Out of it will come several warnings and ways he's preparing us. 
But just listen to this first sentence of this paragraph, verse 16. This changed the flavor of how this pep talk was going. He said, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. Folks, this is an agricultural uh, nation. They understand uh, sheep and, and, and wolves, and they quickly had in mind, you said, what? Gosh, let me check my ears. Gosh, this, is, this can't be working right. Did he say, I'm sending you out sheep among wolves? That's crazy. No, no one would do that. That's just certain death, being sheep and sent out among wolves. Wolves are the greatest enemy to all of our sheep throughout our nation. They, they take, they, they, they have... No mercy if they can just grab at least one, the smallest one or the sickest one. They'll grab it and they'll, they'll come and, and tackle a whole uh, a flock of sheep if they can. What do you mean you're sending us out like that? He said, he said just yes. And he gives a little instruction there. He said, so be shrewd or as cunning as serpents and innocent as doves. Rick Renner is uh, an amazing Greek scholar, and he has uh, in his books his ways that he takes the Greek and, and expounds it and gives it a cultural reference and understanding. And, and I looked up this verse in his, his uh, material, and I was expecting some, you know, really in-depth Greek uh, explanation. And instead he goes, you know, I grew up out in the country, and I know a lot about snakes. And this is what I think Jesus meant when he said, be cunning like snakes. And so, you know, he goes on, and he, it's pretty good stuff, but it's nothing from the Greek. <laughs> he said, just think about it. Snakes, they, they, just, they, just, they just go slow. They're quiet, don't even know they're there. They're just sneaking around, moving around. You don't even hardly aware that they're around. But they are planning. They are getting in the best location. They are strategizing. They know exactly what they're doing. And and so, you know, there's this patience, there's this cunningness of getting in the right place at the right time that the snake does. And and it doesn't matter how long it takes, the snake is going to get there. But then also, kind of on the opposite side, the snake knows when to strike. There's a split second. There's a moment when everything's just right and boom, the snake knows when to not hesitate a single second more and strike. And he says that's way, that can be that way for the Christian. Have the wisdom to be patient, to, to be deliberate and very careful and, and thought out and, and slow and getting things in the right position, but then know when to go for it, when not to hold back, when to unleash your heart, your faith, your action. And then he goes into some warning in verse 17, and he's warning us about men, leaders particularly in rulership, in governmental rulership. Verse 17 it says, But be aware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to Gentiles. So there were religious leaders of that day that really had local government rule. The elders of the religious leaders, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they would uh, make certain you know, rules and policies for that town and that village. 
and they did have punishment. Scourging, which would be you know, 40, up to 40 lashes, were one of the punishments for you know, disobeying them or, or the, the rules and laws that they had. But it goes on, and he even goes, you, you'll be brought before governors and kings, which were, would uh, you know, indicate the regional and even national level authorities. And he says, I'm going to bring you these as a testimony to them and to these awful Gentiles. For them, all the Romans, all Gentiles in that Jewish mindset were just oppressors. They were evil. And says, no, but God is saying, I want to bring a testimony before them. And, and maybe it will be a horrible set of circumstances for you, but you might be one of the only witnesses in front of that ruler, in front of that authority. And this, this path of... Unfortunate events are really me setting up for you to be able to shine my light to these rulers or to these Gentiles that may not be hearing the gospel yet. Let's go to verse 19. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in the hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. So he lets us know that we're not alone. He lets us know that don't worry about what to say. In fact, I can empower you and even give you a peace and anointing that you'll feel and that God is speaking through to you. And if you have fear, I can help you fight through that and have victory over that fear because my spirit of my Father, the Holy Spirit, will be with you and speaking through you. So Jesus gives us a warning to say, hey, uh, your local, regional, national rulers may harm you for my, for my sake. I'm giving you full disclosure. I'm letting you know this could happen to you. And it did happen to the 12. But the reassurance is the Holy Spirit will give to you what to say. You will not be alone. I will empower you. Even in the midst of these awful, perhaps, you know, very fearful situations, and Jesus goes on, and I'm jumping to verse 26, he addresses fear. He says in verse 26, Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I'll tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. So he's saying, hey, be bold, be loud, be clear. The housetops in those cities of ancient Israel often had flat rooftops. They would have steps or ladder to get on the top, and they would, it would be a place where they could hang out and have like an extra room, and they could talk to the neighbors across the street and out in the streets and look over. And he's saying, listen, shout it from the housetops. Be bold, be loud and clear. So often, so many times, there's false accusations that come against Christians and believers. It did happen to Jesus. They made up things about him to try to get him arrested. These were lies. And he's saying in verse 26, listen, don't worry about the lies for nothing is concealed that will not be revealed. It will be, the truth will be revealed eventually, either in this life or the next. It will be revealed and your integrity will be honored, your, your, Integrity and honesty 
Don't worry about the false accusations. Because what will be hidden will be made known. Trust me in that. And I have found in my own life when, uh, when there's been a, 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 a misunderstanding and, and someone has, has heard or said something that is, was totally a, you know, wrong in, in, its, in, in what happened and it, it bugs me, it bothers me and I'm, I'm having to pray and I'm having to have, forgive that person for the false accusation night after night. It's not an easy one to let go. We work hard to have a good reputation. We have a, work hard to have a good name and have integrity. And when it's out there in this, and you can't control it, it, it's something we just have to trust God and say, in this life or the next, the Lord will reveal it. And He will make known what is true. What else does He say about fear? Verse 28, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. You know, Stephen, these verses, you know, these are for those early Christians who the Roman emperor Nero, we know about him, and he was awful, and he was a persecutor, and he had the Colosseum uh, and would drag in uh, Christians to be eaten up by lions and tigers and These verses are for them, and, and, it, and it was. It was for them. This, that really happened. But he's saying to all generations that it's better to choose to honor and follow God than to honor and follow man, because even though man might, could, maybe they could harm you. Maybe that group of friends, maybe the group of workers could get you uh, fired at work. But none can touch heaven. None can touch eternity. I wish it said something like, hey, you know, do not fear because nothing bad's going to happen to you. They can't harm you physically or, you know, relationally. Don't worry about it. It's just all going to go smooth. Jesus wouldn't have been up front, would he? He wanted to be honest he wanted to prepare before he sent them out what could happen and in this certain mission trip they went on uh none of these bad things happened it was seemed to be all good things but later they did experience these things you would think that uh you know human civilization as we get more high tech and we understand science better and can build great cities we would have learned from the past that you just don't kill people for, for ethnic reasons or religious reasons. Everybody is worth living for. Let me tell you, it's still happening today. There's people being killed for being a Christian or just disagreeing with that ruler. There's people being killed today, Sunday, July 25th. It's happening right now. These verses are for people today. Even if you think it's far away, you know, persecution is not that intense here in America. In my life... It is in many people's lives. China has already experienced in their history great persecution of those who have followed Christ, and now it's swaying back again to that. Missionaries have to decide in mission organizations, do we, how long do we leave our missionaries there? And it's up to that, that family sometimes. But Sean Ellis, who lives in Taiwan, which is very close to China, and has this overshadowing uh, threat over 
from China constantly. There's more and more Chinese, uh, you know, uh, uh, who, who are missionaries leaving the country and coming to Taiwan, hoping to go back. But persecution and to church leaders and is happening more and more often. Canada right now is going through a spree of Catholic churches being uh, burned, particularly up in the, uh, the remote areas. Africa has continued wars, ethnic tribal wars, often centered around uh, religion or Christianity. People are being martyred today. These scripture verses are alive and well for people. Even if you feel like they're far and distant, I want to tell you, let's just let God prepare us for whatever may come our way. Despite this fear, Jesus wants to reassure them. And, and he goes into verse 29 and 30 and he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So do not fear you are more valuable than many sparrows. Oh, I wish that said, and when you pray and call out my name, I'm going to take those persecutors, and I'm going to break their spears, and I'm going to uh, uh, come over in the power, and they're going to, you know, fall over and bust open their heads, and they're going to die right before you, and you're going to be a hero. No, it doesn't say that. It just says, I love and care for you so much. Every detail of this, Suffering you're going on for my sake. I know about it just like the hairs on your head. Buddy, that wouldn't be very hard for you, would it, Duke, to count those hairs? Thank you. Thank you, buddy, for being willing to take, take it like that. But you're saying, I know these little details of your life. I, I'm, I'm there with you. The sparrows were the smallest birds to sell. They were they're the most, just cheapest uh, commodity out there with a couple of sparrows. Justin Ross and Ashley lead a ministry called Sparrow Missions based off of this verse right here. To say, listen, there's none forgotten by God. There's no child. There's no boy or girl. There's no mom. There's no... A uh, young man, teenager out in a gang. There's, there's no uh, one broken and, and addicted to drugs in these, uh, these broken down neighborhoods. Listen, none is forgotten by God. God has sees the value of you and he loves you and he died for you as much as any other man or, or person. And so he warns us, he cautions us, he lets us know, listen, do not fear, you're going to be in some perhaps very dangerous situations before rulers. But I exhort you, have courage, do not fear. And then I want to reassure you, you are valuable. This, is, this has nothing to do with you being uh, disobedient or doing something wrong. Uh, in fact, uh, you are worthy of my discipleship because you, you are willing to be, suffer for me, for my sake. You'd hear... Stories from China years ago of young women being abused for being a Christian sexually, physically, and then thrown into prison and underground pastors, Chinese pastors from communist Russia or communist China being beaten and 
And they would say things like this, I considered a privilege to be worthy of the beatings. And then the next day I got a worse beating than before and I considered an, an honor to be called worthy to receive even more beatings. And, and you're just going, what? That's, that's the Bible. This scripture got into their fabric of their being and they said, yes, Lord, I say yes to you despite the pain and suffering. And they sense that value and worth before God and it helps them persevere. This last warning area I want to get into for me is one of the hardest parts to read in this passage and it's about family. Verse 34, it reads, Do not think I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus, like, slipped? Did he mean this? Was this some accident when Matthew wrote it down and he wrote down the wrong word? What do you mean? Do not think I came to bring peace on earth, but a a sword. Now, hold it. He's, He's called the Prince of Peace. What do you mean? He did come to bring peace. That's who he is. What What is this? You know, there's our family. We're going to be set against each other. In our closest relationships, one of the Ten Commandments is honor your mother and father. Are we supposed to disobey that commandment, God? How how does this thing work? If you've read the similar passage in Luke, it talks about family and it uses the word hate. He says, you must hate mother and father to be worthy of me. Scholars say that's called a Hebrew idiom where they're showing such a great contrast of your love for God is so great, even greater than your love for your own children, that the distance, it's like hate. Because yes, we are supposed to honor a mother and father. Yes, we are supposed to love our children and and parent them in the way they should go. But unfortunately, and many of us experience others from other degrees, is that this is a very real verse that as soon as you make Jesus Lord of your life, weird things start happening in your family. In our ministry in Philadelphia, around 2007 or so, my sons got to know a neighborhood boy and would walk home from school and, and they prayed for his salvation and he gave his heart to Christ and he was about 12 or 13 like they were and started to come to our house church and the mother met with me and just said I just want to be sure you know this is good Christianity is good and and you know these are teenage times they need the help to be you know good good people but but just just so it's no radical crazy stuff you know Sunday mornings is fine and you know do a little teaching but there's no radical crazy. What she's saying is not the gospel, not Matthew 10. 
where you surrender your whole life to Jesus and say, Lord, I just want you. I'll take your life instead. It's going to be awesome. Every area of my life is surrendered to you. Sometimes it's in the area of, of the supernatural and the gifts of the Spirit. And, and sometimes there's family members who say, what, what are you doing believing that crazy stuff? Well, it's in the Bible. God is God. He's supernatural. Jesus is super. He, our whole Christianity is based on a resurrection, which is supernatural. There's supernatural things that happen in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Book of Acts. It's just Bible. Yeah, but it's, it's weird. It's strange stuff. It's, you know, just, you just needed this and that. I mean, we can get ridiculed from our closest family members as we say yes to God and His Word. These scriptures are there, not only for you and me, but for those young women in Iran and other hostile Muslim regions where there's radical Islamists, that their father, if they ever heard or understood that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, that you will be Expect beatings, expect being disowned and thrown to the trash and or death from your own father. In fact, there's a strong church in Iran. It's led by women, many women leaders, because they said yes to this and say, I don't care how many beatings I get, I don't care if I die, I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And that empowers them so. They're so full of, of, this, this, of the Holy Spirit and of uh, dedication to God. It's, 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 they're probably the most dedicated church in the world. We had Marilyn Chernak here a couple Friday nights ago. and Orthodox Jews, you would think, oh, they're Jews. They're living in a the land. They're... They're around the sights of Jesus. They must be so close to just receiving Jesus as Messiah. It must be just another little step. I want to tell you, it's not a little step. There's such hostility toward anything Christian in the Orthodox Jewish community that oftentimes when they say yes to Jesus as their Messiah, they have to keep secret and find ways, and that's what... Marilyn Chernak's ministry and other ministries will help connect with new uh, believers to help them find safe places to go and live. Because yes, Orthodox Jews have brutal gangs. They'll beat you up. Those fathers will disown you. They'll kick you out of the house. You'll lose your job instantly. You'll be the poorest person in that neighborhood. All of a sudden, you won't be able to get work. And so when they say yes to Jesus, it's not just because their belief system put together. It's because I'm willing to die for the Lord, my Savior. And talking, you need to realize Israel is a very secular nation. Very secular, very much just into whatever science says, whatever is progressive, whatever is the newest thing. And therefore, that spiritual stuff, I mean, we do... Have some fun at the feast, you know, when it comes holiday season. 
but it's really ridiculous because it's not based in science. It's, it's supernatural. It's a faith in God. It's very secular people. Very secular. Plus, so you can be a very secular Jewish person in America or Israel, and you could say yes to Jesus Christ, and your family will disown you because it's a Christian. Do you realize what Christians have done to us over the centuries? You can't be a Jew and be Christian at the same time. So there is a huge step of dedication when a modern Jewish person in the world says yes to Yeshua. Their family will say, you are ignorant and you are shaming our family. Christians have persecuted and killed us through, from the Crusades on. Uh, the, there were Christians among the Holocaust, among Hitler, and you are going to... This, this is betrayal. You have done the worst. You could even... Some even will let you go be any other religion, any New Age religion, Hinduism, Hinduism even Muslim would be better than being a Christian in many of their eyes. It's a great act of betrayal to become a Christian among even secular Jews. These verses are for them today. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death and father's child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You'll be hated by all because of my name, but it's the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Oh, I wish he had said, oh, it's those who pray this prayer because I'm going to deliver, li- deliver you out of that endurance and you're just going to, it's going to be short-lived. No, he said, and that does happen and we hear stories of God's miraculous interventions and yet some will go- have to endure and when they do, that faithfulness and loyalty to their Savior, they will keep their salvation. So the warning, the The precaution to look ahead. Yes, your family may betray you. But endure is the reassurance because if you endure, in the end, you'll be saved. This is not a short run. This is a marathon. This is lifelong. And so I ask you the question. Is he, Jesus, worth dying for? Is he worth suffering for? Is he worth being persecuted for, ridiculed, losing friendships, losing relationships, losing jobs? What is, what's going on in your life right now? What could happen? What could develop? Where suddenly you find yourself with the choice of loyalty and faithfulness to Jesus versus choosing that group, that policy, that rule. Cancel culture is growing. There are believers, there's Christians that believe in certain biblical values that are getting let go at, at, at work and they don't know why. There are people that aren't getting, to, getting promoted because of certain biblical values and because of their convictions before the Lord. Cancel culture is real. Home right now, there's relatives that may be right now giving you a hard time. 
will. If you choose to make a decision for Christ and change jobs or go into ministry or go be a missionary and you would get ridiculed from family and friends. There's groups of friends that when you're around, you know they, they try to tempt you to, to sin in, in, in the areas of, of sex and lust and friends that try to get you to sin in other areas and drinking or drugs and you know that you're going to lose those friendships if you choose the way of Jesus Christ. At the water fountain at work, it's your rooftop where there's an open door, there's a discussion for you to identify yourself as a follower of Christ, and you know they're going to start, they could possibly start backing up in relationship and connecting with you. But the Lord puts you there in order to be a witness because there's someone there that needs to hear it. They're not hearing it. They're not seeing it in someone's life. I know when I pray for uh, healings for people that I often uh, go, okay, what are they going to think if I pray for them to be healed supernaturally? Are they going to think I'm weird? Is Jesus worth it? At this time in the ministry of Jesus, it's been just over, it's been maybe a year and a half, getting close to two years. Many disciples have been with him a year or longer. And they had seen now thousands in the crowds. They were amazed at his teaching. He taught as one that had authority. But was that really why he had thousands? It was one of the reasons. But folks, he had already several times, not only the 12 miracles we read in, Matthew, but there were times where there was these mass healings and deliverances from darkness and from evil where people found that there's hope from uh, being bound in de- despair and hopelessness. There's, there's freedom from darkness. Those are being bound by demons, and now they were free. They were seeing the nature and the character of this God. This God is full of love and full of compassion and goodness, and he's been pouring out his goodness now for almost two years, and the word is spreading. He healed me of leprosy. I don't, I don't have to live rejected anymore. He's restored my, my soul. I don't have to live in guilt anymore. He pardoned me from my sins. Listen, folks, the goodness of God had convinced these people, yes, he's worth dying for. Send me out in ministry. I will pray these prayers for others. I'm willing to die. The goodness of God is overwhelming. He's the only one I would ever want to follow now. Following my own desires, my own will, me being Lord of my life seems to have so many promises to it to make your life great. Let me tell you, it falls short time and time again. If you don't believe me, you just have to experience it. I ask the Holy Spirit to draw you because I'm telling you, you want to surrender your life totally to Jesus Christ. You don't want to hold areas back and say, I'll take control of this area. No, give it all over to Him because the trade-off is awesome. It's a great deal. You get the better end of the deal. You get the life of God now in this life and into the next. And you've just honored and served the one 
who does have control over eternity and you miss hell because of his blood has cleansed you from all uh, unrighteousness. It's not because you did something great. It's because he gives you this gift of righteousness by his blood. So this gift, it's, it's free. You've got it. And say, yes, I, I'm in relationship with him now, now and forever. If you don't think about the forever, you want to start. There is a forever. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up and be ready to lead us in song again here at the end. How about if you haven't planned it already, Julia, how about that worthy song? He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be served. He is worthy to to receive this trade-off of my guilt. Oh, yes, I'll I'll give you my guilt. Uh, Thank you. Give me me that that sense of purity over me. Oh, Lord, I'll be glad to give me that that, uh, condemnation that beats on my mind. Yes, I don't want that trade. Yes, freedom uh, of purity and uh, in, in a cleansed, my conscience cleansed by the blood of Christ. Yes, I want to give the shame back. I don't want the shame. Take it. Yes, and I'll give this freedom of, of being at peace and having this deep peace in my heart. Oh, the trade-off is awesome. Is he worthy to be praised? Yes, he's worthy to be served and followed even to the point of being ridiculed, the point of of losing relationships at the point of even death. Traditions and legends is not out of the Bible, but it believed that 11 of the 12 apostles did die deaths of, from persecution, either burned at the stake, several crucified, uh, speared to death, burned all martyrs they think one we believe that one john was the only one that died of old age they tried to kill him on the island of patmos they believe through burning in oil and he lived through it so they just let him live but just kept him exiled in this prison to try to keep his effectiveness down and then god gave him the book of revelation in that imprisonment on that island Oh, I, praying and believing for you, all the blessings of heaven, shalom for you. And yet I'm also believing that if you have times that you have to take a stand for Jesus, you'll know that the Holy Spirit is with you. He will give you the words to say, and you'll sense a worthiness of following Christ despite ridicule and persecution. That will strengthen your faith. That for now and eternity, there's nothing by the grace of God that will sway you away from the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand during this last worship song. I'm going to ask the altar ministry team people here on either side to come and be available. There online, we have a phone number. It's a, it's a prayer call for anyone watching online and 
we hope you've been able to follow this and engage with us in the Word of God. We're asking the Holy Spirit to work in your living room right now. So for the next 30 minutes, this prayer phone number is available here on Sunday mornings for you to call and get prayer. It could be anything that you need prayer for. We're available. But in your heart and in certain situations that you may encounter today or this week, I'm asking you, is he worth it? Let's sing this last worship song to him. Let the Holy Spirit draw us to him. Worthy, you are worthy, much more.